And next thing I know, my right leg, which is my knee down leg, is getting drug out from behind me. First thought is, is don't pull because I don't want to tear the crap out of my leg anymore than it already is. And uh, so my knee's coming back. And again, I've still got my gun out. And so dog outs. And I, at that point, no good to anybody. So I go back behind the cars. And I'm, I'm sitting there kind of hunkered down behind the cars. And I'm going, my leg's screwed up. Like, my car is at the tail end of this thing. Should I just get in my car and drive to the hospital? And then everything kind of slows down a little bit. And then you see the blood start pooling down on the ground. Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Snitch Podcast. Our guest is a patrol supervisor from a mid-sized police department in the Pacific Northwest. Pretty good-sized city. I asked him how long he'd been a law enforcement officer, and he said, long enough to know better, but not long enough to get the fuck out. Um, he is, he's a very good friend of mine and this, I think because we're such good friends, this episode is, it's a lot different than the other ones we've done. I didn't have to like pry any stories out of him really. It was just a lot of back and forth. Um, and it was a great conversation. I, I would call this one eclectic an eclectic collection of stories. We cover all the classics. There's more canine stories. And they're pretty good. So Shark Week's going to be awesome. Can't wait. There's dildos. There's dildos again. A lot of dildos. Yep. There's a lot of dildos in this, this one. But you know what? This podcast is a safe place. And it's okay to talk about marital aids here. There's no shame in it. We actually, we encourage that kind of behavior. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, we also talk about the internal temperature of a live chicken. You'll just have to wait and find out what we mean by that one. That's right. <laughs> and then I, this is a question I have for you. Have you ever heard of the TV show Pacific Blue? I have not, no. Okay, it is probably the greatest worst cop show on TV ever. I think there's there's something similar to that right now called Live PD. Oh, it's like streamed, I think. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So, Pacific Blue was took place in Santa Monica and they were bike cops. <laughs> you see where this is heading? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, our our guest is um what do we call him? A cycling enthusiast? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we'd call him. He's a cycling enthusiast. Lives in Breeze Cycling, and he talks to you about bike patrol quite a bit, actually. Quite a lot, yeah. I had to get up and take a phone call during part of this episode. You, you don't even notice I'm gone, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, is, which is good. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then the last thing we talk about is extremism. 
in the U.S. There we a little we do a little history lesson on the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, we talk about Ruby Ridge. We talk about Waco. And um, these are these are things that things that we discovered that you didn't know anything about. Which I recently actually learned about it a lot about that stuff because there's a show on Netflix about it. Yeah, on Waco. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. On Waco and Ruby Ridge. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we talked about that, and the thing about that is that even though we were releasing it this week, like this episode this week, and we were talking about extremism in the U.S., it's uh, not on purpose, but it is very timely. I mean, we planned on launching this episode, I don't know, like a month ago. We were like, hey, we're going to do this one on during this week with no idea about what happened in the Capitol. Like, no idea that was going to happen, clearly. But um, but it's timely. And it's a good conversation. And uh, it'll make you hit the Wikipedia page if you're younger and you don't know what those things are. Yeah, there's a lot of good history to go through and explore. A lot of things that, well, not a lot, but a handful of things that we talked about that at the time I didn't know anything about, like Ruby Ridge and Waco. And the Oklahoma City bombing. And I did did have one because I listened to it. Uh, I listened to the the whole thing today that you edited, and uh, I did have one correction. I believe it was a rider truck, not a U-Haul truck. So what's a rider truck? A rider truck. It's a rental company. Oh, so it's basically a U-Haul truck. Truck. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's a U-Haul truck that's not orange and white. Right, but it's. <laughs> But it's important in the investigation. All right. And with that, do you have anything to add? And by the way, I want to say before before you answer that question, um, this episode's like a sleeper episode, I think. Like I you know, I it's been like three months since we did it, three and a half months. I didn't realize how funny it is. I agree. There's not a whole lot of like chase down the villain kind of thing stories in these but there's a lot of hilarious stories and just like just really funny back and forth and it makes for a really really entertaining episode yeah good job on editing it seriously (laughs) thank you and with that uh we hope you enjoy this one episode eight of the snitch podcast oh hey so right now we we don't have it named yet and uh but by the time we're done, you're done editing the the intro into this thing, I I posted a survey on Instagram about what what we should call this episode. So <laughs> we'll just have to see what it ends up being. Yeah, we'll have to see what it ends <laughs> up being. But it's not gonna be uh G rated. <laughs> okay, everybody enjoy. It's all about fisting. You got to stay a fist away from the fist away. <laughs> fisting. Yeah. It's all about fisting. So you know what amazes me? 
is the time that we went to Moab to go mountain biking. <laughs> and uh, we went with some guys you worked with. Uh, there was a mix. Yeah. Buddies and guys. Yeah. So, but one of the guys that you worked with, he'd been a cop like three years, if I remember right, back then. Like, yeah. Is that guy still a cop? Huh? Yeah. And he told us, I think, that if I have this right, he had not been in any physical altercations in three years. Like none. Yeah. It wouldn't spread me. <laughs> So fucking unbelievable. Some people, I, it, the people we're hiring right now, it's amazing. Like you, when you're bring them when up. when you're interviewing them before they get hired on, and and you ask them about like getting engaged, you know, potentially in a shooting or any that kind of stuff. And so many of them are like can't give any experience or answer the question about how they've ever been involved in anything physical. So I mean, there's there's a lot of people we hire and. They come on, it's like they've never been punched, they've never been, they've never gotten their ass kicked, any that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, but in the first, at least in the first, probably two weeks that I was working, <laughs> let's be, let's be honest, that I mean, I was in my first, you know, physical altercation at work, like yeah. the first two weeks, and it was like a, a pretty much a weekly, uh, almost a weekly thing. I mean, it wasn't like a knockdown drag out, you know, anything like that, but. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And I, I don't know how people would be able to avoid that, but I, I don't know if it was two weeks for me, but it was pretty, I remember still in, in training, field training, getting into scraps with people. I remember being behind a pizza place and me yanking on one person, trying to throw them one way, another person trying to toss them the other way. And it's like trying to tear the person in half because everybody wanted to get a piece of them. So. <laughs> Probably not like that anymore with a body camera. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so go ahead and tell Riley about the time you saved my life. Time I saved your life. Well, there's yeah. been multiple. So no shit. There we were. Is that okay to say? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah you can say whatever the fuck you want. Oh, right on. So we're, we're sitting there and, and there I am as a baby cop and, you know, uh, a newborn fawn, no idea what I'm doing and that kind of stuff in the, in the world of police work. And here's my tenured salty coach sitting across the table from me right now as we speak and uh, <laughs> light turns green and I'm doing something on the computer and, you know, cause I'm, I'm the new cop and computers are important and he's a salty old dog where it was like pen and paper and what kind of stuff he's like, dude. You gonna fucking go or are we gonna sit here all day? Yeah, let me finish with this. So about ready to start going, and the next thing you know, the semi truck blows through the intersection. Totally did, Just yeah. Totally blew through the intersection. I mean, <laughs> full speed, 50 miles an hour, probably. He looks at me, I look at him. We both realize that we should be dead right now if I would listen to him. So it's <laughs> <laughs> totally true. <laughs> totally true. We would be. So we go stop this semi truck driver, and he's the story is he's had been lost forever out and whatever and found civilization and was so excited to be back where he's supposed to be that he didn't pay any attention to the light and went through there. And so I wrote him a ticket, you know, again, the right thing to do is save both our lives, but I still get critiqued for apparently not doing something right there and get marked down on, on my DORs with my coach, even though I saved his life, I, it doesn't matter. I'm <laughs> How still, did I mark you down? <laughs> I don't even remember. But what I, what, so I don't know who your coach was. But you like you got stuck with me because mm -hmm. I think 
was was that a time when you like a whole bunch of you guys got hired? Yeah, there were uh, three or four. Yeah, there were like, and it was just like endless recruit after endless recruit, and I finally didn't fucking have one. And I don't remember, who, like I said, I don't remember who you were supposed to ride with, but that person didn't come to work. <clears throat> so funny boy gets stuck with me. And I, I was just like, fuck, man. Like I, it, I didn't have anything against you. I just didn't want anybody in my car. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I, nobody wants anybody in their car. Yeah. I, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, we go to that particular call. I remember it was a sex abuse call and I do, I remember this and I remember where it was too. And, um, yeah, you did your thing. And I was like, fuck, this guy totally knows what he's doing. He's like, he's going to be fine. And we pull up to the light and I think, I think computers to me were new and I still, and I, and I don't even know if they were in all the cars yet. I think they were. Well, maybe they were, but like, I was like, I was like, I was kind of fresh out of detectives, you know, like back on patrol. Anyway, so we're sitting at this light and starts fucking with the computer. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, really? Thinking like, are you going to fucking go or what? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God he paused. (laughs) And we've been best friends ever since. (laughs) You almost die together and you have this like lifetime bond. Yeah. Yeah. Best friends ever since. (laughs) Near death experiences, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was, that was like eight, 17, 18 years ago. That was a long time ago. Fuck, we're old. Yeah, no kidding. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. And then, you know, talking about the computers there, That's those were the fun things because my father-in-law, working there for as long as he did, like since back in the 70s, he, he refused to embrace the computer. And so... I don't know about you, but I took a lot of pleasure in screwing with him over the computer. So I'd always send him messages whenever he was working and I was working because we started making beeps and he didn't know how to make it stop. <laughs> and I, there was at least one time that he got on the air and told me to knock it off over the air. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny. Because he couldn't figure out how to shut it off. So. <laughs> and, and I guess going father-in-law. So fun, fun stories with him. He hates dogs. Doesn't do dogs at all. I don't know how he tolerates our dogs, but he does. And, uh, so we're, we're out at this trailer park, trailer park, <laughs> and uh, it's this injured animal call. And we get out there, and there's this little white fluffy thing in the middle of the driveway, and then you're looking at it, and its legs are flat on the ground. It looks like it's got a broken back. And it's just sitting there howling, making the most pathetic, pitiful sound, like this dog's dying, something's wrong with it. So he's like, oh, hey, we need to put this, put this dog down. I'm like, all right, so I'll go back to my car, grab my... I was going to use my rifle and uh, there's a magazine malfunction with my rifle. And so like sitting there screwing with that. And the next thing we know, some lady comes walking out of the trailer park and hollers this dog's name and the dog stops whimpering and jumps up and runs away. It was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so somehow this dog is blind and, and doesn't know anything. So when it gets lost, it just lays down and makes this sound until its owner comes and finds it. So, <laughs> Again, one of those moments in your life where, thank goodness, something happened to distract you for a few minutes before you. <laughs> You're going to fucking smoke this dog. I was dog. totally going to smoke that dog. <laughs> it, I mean, it was, it, it was given every indication that it was just screwed up. I mean, it seemed like the right thing to do, right? 
Thank goodness we uh, we had a different outcome on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so, when did you decide you wanted to be a cop? I'm 41 now, so not. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> still working that one yeah, out. Just trying to figure that one out. Um, I, yeah, pretty young because I started as an explorer. So started doing that when I was sixteen. Started doing what? I was an explorer. What's that? So that's like a junior. It's a branch of the, of the Boy Scouts, actually. So they have explorers in all sorts of different professions. Um, and this, the, there's law enforcement. There's fire. There's uh, search and rescue. I think there's even like optometry and stuff like that. So it's just a, if you have a specialized program, you can develop a, it's a way for youth to learn about different professions. Um, and I got into the law enforcement stuff back then and enjoyed it and moved up and became reserve later and then went full time. Okay. So did you, um, do you, was there a possibility that you were going to get a job at that particular department? Uh, I mean, I tried, but they didn't hire me. So I'm glad they didn't now. So that department, um, I was actually in the background phase when I got hired for our department because I had applied both places, you know, and, but I also knew that their fucking backgrounds took like an, a year and a half. I, I would have worked there cause it was closer to home, but I wanted to work where we ended up working. I mean, that was my ultimate goal. Which is where I got hired. So, how'd you wind up there? Uh, I was getting ready to graduate college, started testing everywhere, and I was backgrounding with four different agencies and got got offered a job down here first. And the funny thing is, is I almost didn't come down and test because I was backgrounding at at least three different places first because most places take forever for backgrounds, like you said, and. Uh, so I don't know how many different times I was driving down the freeway. I'm like, ah, I'm going to get a job somewhere. I'm just going to turn around. There's no point in coming down. I just shouldn't do it. But I did. Came down. I'm like, oh, I'll just do it. Give it one more shot. Came down, and I guess I tested well. Um, and, uh, yeah, got hired. Hired. So funny thing about that is my now wife worked there, and I was late for my interview because traffic coming down. I'm like, I'm screwed. Like I'm 20 minutes late to my interview. Oh, and, uh, cause I was coming out of an area that has lots of traffic. And, uh, so I get down and, and she's, she's the one that greeted me at the window. Oh really? I didn't you, know. you never heard this? No, I didn't know. So, and I don't remember this. She's told me this. And so she sees me and apparently I was in like a bit of a sweating panic, <laughs> like 20 minutes late to an interview. You're kind of screwed, right? <laughs> um, like the interview's over. Sorry about your luck. Um, and so she's like, oh, this guy's done. He's going to get eaten alive. He's going to be, there's no chance. And I guess with with my history coming out of, they were like, yeah, this guy's not going to be a fit. We're not going to hire this dude, whatever. And then I went in there and apparently did well enough to get hired on. But, <laughs> but yeah, she, she still likes to rub it in my nose that like, oh, you were just, you were going to get eaten alive. I don't know what you did to survive walking into that wolf den, but you did. <laughs> so. Now let's just talk about riding. Like what, what made you start? Oh, so started riding. So growing up, I was a big fat kid. I graduated high school. I was 308. So no shit. Yeah. That's the heaviest I got was 308. And, uh, like my whole life been told that hey, you're overweight. You need to do something. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And you, you know how 
all through your life, you know, whatever it's like people tell you stuff. It's until you make that decision for yourself that you're going to do something. So, um, said I need to lose weight and, and do something and just found the bike. And, uh, my very first ride when I decided I was going to do something and how I discovered I was 308 is actually kind of funny. Cause my parents had one of those old, uh, uh, rotor, like the dial scales, uh-huh. or just, it topped out at 200 pounds. So when it says 108, cause it's all the way wrapped around, and you're sitting there having to do math to figure out how fat you are. It's kind of like that. I probably should do something with my life. Um, and how old were you when that happened? 18. Just graduated high school. Okay. So it was between, it was the summer after I graduated. And uh, so I decided, all right, I'm going to do something about it. And uh, I uh, first ride I ever did was I took my dad's mountain bike and I rode. It's like five miles flat and then went up this steep rolling hill. And... Uh, Going up the hill, like it was, I thought I was going to die the whole way. Like I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to fall over whatever. I'm not going to make it up this hill, but I was bound and determined to make it up this hill. And I did. And it was kind of like that success right there is really what set the stage for being successful and losing weight and and doing that kind of stuff. So, um, ever then I just started really cutting back what I was eating and just rode a ton and fell in love with riding and rode and raced a fair amount since for the last 20 years so it's awesome been a state champion in cyclocross placed well in other things so just love being on the bike there's nothing better majority of my riding now is in the garage but you know (laughs) so we had lyle in here remember lyle oh yeah and we actually we did a recording like well that how long ago was it Uh, two years ago yeah, I don't have that anymore though. Yeah, no, that's so, on the computer. Yeah, we talked. <laughs> yeah, we talked to him about, you know, that because he was a big fella mm-hmm. and he told, he told us this whole transition about why he did what he did and and it was great. But then Riley's computer got stolen by some fucking maggot that broke into his car, mm-hmm. oh. and uh, <laughs> we never backed it up and it's gone. But uh, yeah, the whole weight loss thing. I mean, that was it was kind of one of those ones because I was like I said. I mean, asked when I wanted to, knew I wanted to go into law enforcement. At that point, I knew I wanted to do it. But, I mean, I knew if I didn't do something about it, there's no way I could be a cop. You I, knew, like, when you were 308? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I already knew I, I wanted to go into that. So, I, I knew if I wanted to go into law enforcement and do do that, then um, I'd have to uh, actually do something about my weight. And then also, if I didn't want to have a heart attack by the time I was 35, really need to do something about my weight. So, it was kind of like that you got to make a decision here and now and, and do something. So, but I get addiction because for the first like three weeks, I just went in this huge caloric deficit where, I mean, I, prior to that I was eating like sugary cereal in the morning, huge amounts of crap for lunch. I mean, eating, drinking milkshakes, eating crap for dinner, having dessert. I mean, it was, I can't imagine the garbage I was putting in my body then the what I do now and just, totally cutting that out, going to two meals a day and being super vigilant about, you know, extreme low calorie and that kind of stuff. But you're in pain. I mean, it was a withdrawal. It totally was. And just making that change, it was, it was pretty crazy. So. So would you say it's easier to be overweight or is it easier to be fit? Oh, it's easier to be overweight. I mean, anybody can be overweight. All you gotta do is sit there and eat. So. Um, cause I remember we had this conversation, I don't know, several years ago. Oh yeah. It's, it's a heck of a lot easier to be unfit and overweight than it is to be. It takes a lot of work to be fit. 
So you got to put in time, energy. I don't know. I mean, it's like you got to you gotta stay focused. You have to be focused, stuff stuff in your face. You just stuff stuff in your face. <laughs> that ding dong looks delicious. The tattoo. <laughs> no, it's totally true. It's way harder to be fit than it is to be lazy. Mm-hmm. But you feel way better when you're fit than oh, yeah. you do when you're a fat, lazy piece of shit. <laughs> which I'm pretty good at both, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are drinking beer right now. <laughs> Yeah. Want to talk about riding a bike that one day? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, so Scott and I are riding up, which is a six-mile climb, old logging road. It's a pretty rough pavement, and it's it's a pretty steep climb, and there's sections of it that are over 20%. Um, so you're you're working your your ass off. It takes about 45 minutes, 35 to 45 minutes. What's your record? 38 minutes. 30, yeah, see? So... Uh, a, but that's like, that's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're working. And so Scott's ahead of me and he's working hard and I'm just kind of climbing a hill. Cause at that point in my life, I didn't really care to climb hills. Um, and, uh, we're going up and, and I look over on the side side of the road. There's a drainage area over there and riding along. I'm like, there's a gigantic dildo sitting on the side. <laughs> <laughs> So we get up to the top. Scott's waiting for me. And they're like, dude, you see that big old dildo down there? He's like, no. <laughs> so we're flying back down the hill. And I'm pointing out as we go by. So it's been renamed Dildo Creek now. So. Yeah, it's true. It's a, it wasn't just a... It was huge. It was Yeah, it was pretty big. <laughs> Not pretty big. It was huge. <laughs> standing straight up. It was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah, it was. It totally was. Yeah. Not, not totally telling the truth on that. That changes like, the image. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gigantic fucking dildo. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, so this, uh, we go to this, we go to this uh, call with the fire marshal's office with the fire department. And uh, this guy's trailer had caught on fire and the guy crawled outside, died. Or maybe they took him outside and he died there. I don't know, whatever. But so we're, you know, going through to make sure that going through all this stuff, you know, to make sure that there's nothing sinister that happened. And the fire marshal finds, actually, I'm sorry, we we find a photo album first. And the dude is gay, which is, you know, whatever. This is back before digital, so this is a photo album. <laughs> Defend analog. <laughs> and um, he's got pictures of him, um, you know, like shoving this gigantic dildo up his ass. Like, and it's monstrous. I'm telling you. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> finds it. He finds the oh. dildo. <laughs> He does. He finds the dildo. And so I'm taking, uh, you know, evidence pictures, evidence in air quotes, pictures. And I'm like, hey, Joe, hold that up. So he holds the thing up and he thinks I'm like going to zoom in on the like the dildo. And I've got this beautiful framed picture of him holding said dildo like out with his arms straight, you know, and it's like pointed <laughs> down at the floor. 
<laughs> He's holding this thing. Oh, God. <laughs> it's floating around here somewhere. <laughs> All right, so since we're on the subject of that, my previous agency, there was a... I guess he was my sergeant at the point. I don't, I don't remember if we'd had coffee that morning or not. But I get a call. I hear him get, saying he's getting flagged down. And so he pulls over. And then like 20 minutes later, I get a call for him asking me to meet him. So he's apparently driving along. And some citizen like pulls up next to him. And they're like waving at him to pull over. And so he pulls over. And they're like, you've, you've got a dildo on the front of your car. He's like, What? So, so he goes over and looks, and there's a suction cup dildo just right on the front push bar. And I got blamed, and my buddy got blamed for it. And he's like, I know you guys did that. It's like, we had nothing to do with it, but I wish I would have. So I've got pictures of that floating around someplace, too. That so was, if you're going to be an AIC lieutenant in the next couple of days, I can pretty much guarantee I can make that happen for your car. <laughs> I'm sure you could. One text message right now can happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure you could. I I, I have no doubts. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. like that's like the seventh or eighth dildo story that we've <laughs> that we've heard so know, far. Right? <laughs> well, every, three of them were us right every, now. Everybody's so. got a dildo story though. It's true. It's <laughs> true. Like. We did the search warrant. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There never yeah, fails. Yeah. I know. Like, we did. Did I? I can't. Maybe I was too drunk to tell the story. I don't know. Like I've got a couple of dildo stories. Anyway, so we did the search warrant, and we're like rifling through, you know, all the other stuff. And I like reach under the, uh, and it's these gypsies. Okay, and uh, so I I go under the 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 sink, and it's in a brown paper bag. And I pull the thing out. And like we're drinking these, you know, 16 ounce cans of beer right now. And the thing was at least <laughs> that thick, you know, pull that thing out. And the, 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 the old lady, the old whatever, I don't know how she old is. The old lady, I was like, she's like standing there as I pull the thing out and I look at it and I look at her. And she goes, a lady's got to have her fun. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Search warrants. There's always, there's always the dildos and porn. Right. It never fails. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other fun, crazy stories. We don't chase people anymore. So that's not really any fun. Like you're not supposed to. We're not allowed to. Like not allowed just, to. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be pretty serious stuff for you to chase weird. anybody anymore. Why is that? You know, crashes, danger, mm. society. <clears throat> so I did get there was a fun one like one of our guys was chasing some dude on a bicycle and he jumps out on foot and chasing this dude on he's on foot on a bicycle and we all know that's not a win and somehow I'm paralleling it in the car because you don't chase bikes on foot you chase them <laughs> in cars and so we get around he's coming down an alleyway and somehow the something happened to the bike so he jumps off so he's on foot now and the other guy's way back and I have a recruit with me, and uh, so we we get up to the alleyway. I jump out, just charge at this guy, just body check him into the ground. It was funny because this recruit was, I mean, brand new, brand new, and he comes up with these huge eyes. Like 
once we're done, he's like, you're out of the car so fast and on top of this guy and stuff. It's like, yeah, we don't, that's why you don't chase people on foot. You chase them in cars. So that way you can actually <laughs> still do that. So. <laughs> so it was a good lesson for him. It was fun. It's always fun to chase people, but you gotta do it. Like, just can't, you're not going to win. You got like 30 pounds of garbage on you. How are you going to chase anybody? Especially if they're on a bike. And even if they're on foot, you're still not going to win. Well, what do you think about canines? Have you ever been bit by a canine? Oh, yeah. There's a good one. <laughs> How many times? How many times have you been bit? By police canines? I guess yeah. just once, but yeah. in general, dogs tend to bite me. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like dogs. So before you tell your story, I want to tell you this decision that I made early, early, early in my career. So there was a trooper, maybe you've heard this story. So they get in a pursuit, our dog, one of our dogs is involved and across the radio, don't get out of the car. We're going to let the dog go if he runs. So it terminates and the trooper gets out of the car anyway. The dog launches, not sure what the order was there, but the dog launched onto the trooper and uh, bit him significantly. He was out of time, out of work for some, for some time. <laughs> anyway, so everybody's like, "Well, yeah, it's the trooper's fault." Which, eh, I'm with, I'm with you on that one. But things happen, right? So I remember having lunch with him, sitting in the in the old department, like he was in there eating lunch, and. Uh, and he was telling me like he still had nerve damage in his hand and stuff like that. And I don't remember how long I was in my career, but it wasn't that long. And it was swing shift, you know, and I was like, I was like, and I had dogs, you know, so like I had dogs at home, but I was like, like no fucking dog is going to get a hold of me and not let go. That dog's dead. And I, I remember making that decision right then and there. Like, I'm going to shoot that fucking dog. And if I get fired, eh, I get fired. <laughs> but I'm not going to lose my arm over it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my actually getting chewed on by a dog, patrol dog, we, uh, we were set up on a stolen car. And it was, so we get it stopped. And there's a whole, we're on a, I was like a three, at least a three lane street. So there's, just a line of police cars behind this thing. And I'm off on the left side behind rear bumper of a car. And I've got a good spot. And I hear canine and handler come up behind me. And they're there. And where I'm at is a really good spot to launch the dog if need be. Because he got a straight kind of angled shot into this car. So I'm like, hey, I turn back. Like, do you want me to move? And he doesn't say anything. So I go back. And I'm, I'm kneeling down, gun out. And so nothing happens. We're still dealing with the car and the driver. And next thing I know, my right leg, which is my knee down leg is getting drug out from behind me. I'm like, what's going on? I turn around and look, and this dog has latched on to my shin and is dragging my leg back. <laughs> and so I'm like, first thought is, is don't pull. Cause I don't want to tear the crap out of my leg anymore. And it already is. And, uh, so my knees coming back and again, I've still got my gun out. And so it's like, hands occupied, trying to maintain my balance, trying not to rip my leg away from this dog. So it doesn't chew it up anymore and it already is and finally the handler gets this dog to out after what seems like an eternity and so dog outs and i 
at that point, no good to anybody. So I go back behind the cars and I'm, I'm sitting there kind of hunkered down behind the cars and I'm going, my legs screwed up. Like my car is at the tail end of this thing. Should I just get in my car and drive to the hospital? And then everything kind of slows down a little bit. And then you see the blood start pooling down on the ground. It's like, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to start driving anywhere. I better just (laughs) hang out until this whole thing ends. And so do and go up to the hospital and they do, I was like nine or 10 internal stitches. Like Lisa said she could see down to the bone when she's looking over it. So yeah. So they internal stitches, external stitches. So still got a couple of pretty gnarly scars on there from it. So still touch it. It has like tingly weird feelings and that kind of stuff. And that was, God, it was 10, 12 years ago now. Yeah. Here's, here's life lesson for anybody that's listening is that don't, don't run when there's a police dog. Cause eh, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't turn into good things. <laughs> the dogs go for arms and legs, right? I'll go for kind of whatever they or can just get. Whatever, whatever they latch on to. Yeah. Okay. So I got into a, here's, here's a fun story. I was, uh, working down and this motorcycle and it's, it doesn't do it. It doesn't signal to make a lane change and people don't do stupid stuff like that all the time, but you kind of have that cop intuition, like something's not quite right. Like this is somebody that I should see what's going on with. And so he doesn't signal again. So I stop him. And, uh, he keeps riding for a little bit, not, not in a pursuit, but just isn't stopping and then goes down an alleyway and hops off the bike, starts pushing it. So I jump out of the car and I'm like, Hey man, stop. And he tells me, no, dude, you don't get to tell me no. That's not how this works. (laughs) So go up, he parks his bike and tell him to sit down and, uh, ask him for his driver's license. I don't have one. So I grab my notebook to start writing down his name. Like, what's your name? And as soon as I say that dude jumps up and he's taken off down the alley, like, all right. And he's fast. And again, remember we talked about a little ago, you're, you're going to lose in a foot pursuit. So I'm losing big time and I'm, you know, I I'm reasonably fast, but I'm not, not by any means. And this guy's fast. He is flying. So he takes off, gets down to this next street and I'm calling out the pursuit and he gets around a corner of a building. And at that point, you know, game's over. It's time to set up a perimeter and see what's going on. And so we get a canine that's out there. And we start tracking, go behind this building, and the canine's kind of hitting at this barbecue cover. There's a barbecue, and there's a cover that's now off the barbecue, and it's sitting on the ground. And the handler's like, hey, check that. I'm like, all right. And so we've got, and, and where we're at, we're behind a, a triplex building. So we've got a wall uh, behind where this barbecue is, and then there's canine, me. So basically, like, three of the four sides are, are covered. There's nowhere for anybody to go. So I go up, grab the cover, pull it. And there's this dude hiding underneath the barbecue cover. I'm like, all right, sweet. Caught the dude. Well, he jumps up and he takes off and he's running towards a, a it's a, at least a six, six or eight foot cedar fence. And I'm like, dude, where are you going? I mean, game's over. Police dog right there. Us like, you're not going anywhere. This guy runs this fence, jumps, palms on top of this fence, backflips over the top. <laughs> the craziest shit I've seen in my life. No All shit, right? he backflipped over the he top. Ba- of it? He he hits that thing, flips himself over the top of this thing. It's insane. I'm looking over at the canine handler. He's sitting there looking at me like, <laughs> "Who are we chasing?" The dog is sitting there going, "Where where did everybody go? This is nuts. What's going on? I found the guy. What's going on?" So, dude continues running down there. Um, perimeter picks him up on the west side. He starts running back, and uh, I come down to this this alley behind a bar. And I hear somebody banging in some stairs in an apartment building. And this guy jumps out of this, this door. And I'm like, sweet, 
and I try to tackle this guy and he shrugs me off like nothing. And he, he's not a big dude. I mean, he's average build. I mean, lean, but he just shrugs me off like nothing. Like the heck. So he runs into the back of this bar. There's a back door of the bar. The canine handler sees him lets, and comes around the corner, lets the dog go and uh, dogs chasing after him. Guy makes it in the back door of this bar. And so he tries to close the door on the dog. Handler's right there, pops the door open and the guy's running. And well, the shortest distance from the back door of the bar to the front door of the bar is directly behind the actual bar bar area. So, and this is an evening time near the campus. So it's packed with people. So, I mean, just visualize this packed bar and dude running right behind the bar, bartender leaping back because there's this dude just running through the bar. And then there's this police dog chasing right after this dude. <laughs> oh, God. And then there's two cops right behind him, like just barreling straight through the middle of his bar. Sorry, I'm spitting on you. Um, and uh, so guy, just as he gets to the front door, canine catches up to him and does this beautiful capture right in the hamstring. Again, kids don't run from police dogs. And it, it just hammers him in the hamstring and just takes him down basically falls doesn't crash through the door but you know door falls open and he goes through the front and there's i don't know three or four different police officers right there take him into custody and all that kind of stuff but it was just it's like one of those ones in your life that some of those memories where it's like man i wish i could somehow transpose what i was seeing onto video to share with people because it was so much fun (laughs) (laughs) and i can't imagine all these people that are hanging at this bar and then there's all these you know bad guy police dog cop cop barreling right through the middle of their bars. They're just sitting there having their beers and doing whatever. So <laughs> we'll edit it out. But which bar was it? Which bar? <laughs> oh. You know, the best part about that though, canine was. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yep. So that's hilarious. It was a good story. That was fun. Yeah. That's definitely one of those ones where like it sticks with you. Like, and he, and you ask the, the handler and he'll tell you that was still, that was the coolest capture he's ever had in his life. And he's handled a ton of dogs. So that was a fun one. And then dogs. I remember we're on this commercial burglary way out by the airport and these dudes are like in there and they somehow hear us coming up and they take off and it's kind of still in a fenced in area back there. So they're trying to hide. It's a huge yard. It was a construction business, some sort of they had this huge yard out there and they had a bunch of culverts and that kind of stuff. And, uh, one guy is like hiding in the brush and he won't come out. So he gets bit by the dog and get pulled out and they're still searching for another guy and they get to this culvert and, uh, this dude's hanging out in this culvert and refusing to go out, turtled up, can't see his hands, that kind of stuff. So that the dog go in there and the only place the dog can get is the top of the dude's head. Ooh. So just locks it in the top of his head and he still wouldn't come out even with the dog on him still oh, refused geez. to come out. So it was a, it was fish on. So the handler's just pulling the dog cause he's now the lure hooked onto the head. Yeah, I've heard a story like that from a couple guys we know. And, uh, yeah, they, they were, they were like the dogs like pulling the dude's scalp, like away from the guy's skull. Uh, wouldn't yeah. surprise me. I mean, he yeah, was turning him into like a, a cone head. Yeah. He was, he was pretty chewed up, but he had yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. Don't run from the cops. Right. Yeah. Obey lawful commands. Yeah. It's that simple. You're not. It's, the hide and seek game's over. I mean, it's like you're not going anywhere. <laughs> How long did you two work together? Two years. It was only two. Yeah, it was only like not, two years before I left. You bailed that's out. Not very two. long. <laughs> no, I guess not. Uh-oh. No, but we hung out all the time, even when I was up north. Yeah, yeah. We did a ton of riding. Road, at least. 
Did you go to Moab just once? Did you go twice. twice? We went twice. First time I remember I broke myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First <laughs> ride out. What are we? Not even an hour into riding. Drive 18 hours to get yeah. there. First ride. First ride. First Poison hour, Spider Mesa. First day. Yep. Go up there. Somebody doesn't know how to get over sand. Sticks his front wheel. <laughs> Goes over hard. And then we have to figure out how to get him back down from way up top. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> you went head up, head over handlebars, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, there was like a moat of sand, and I had a pretty good speed. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I thought I could just like just like float over the top because I risk I, li- I raised my front wheel up. I just like thought, oh, this is gonna be fine. Not planted. And, yeah, like <laughs> totally planted, and I went over my handlebars and hit my hit my shoulder and my head. And like, as soon as I hit my shoulder, I was like, oh, this is not good. Like I totally broke my shoulder collarbone. Like I knew I did. Yeah. Thank God I had a helmet on. I remember either seeing your helmet or a picture of the helmet and it was like cracked in half or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then working to get you down over the little. Yeah. That was terrible. Wow. Finally found what a jeep. There's some people that were in a jeep that took you down the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah but would, I, I would got, you guys walk them down? We were uh, walking part of the way. Well, and we then, had somebody with an ATV. Yeah, had an ATV. Yeah. So I think we threw your bike on that and like some of the softer sections you rode on it. But for the most part, it was just walking down because it was so rough. I mean, it was it was super rough up there. It's okay. like the staircase section at the the beginning, which was actually turned to the end for me. And um, so we found somebody with like a jeep, and I was like, hey, can I get a ride? And so it was like this big staircase section where like they're driving this Jeep down. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't just let me out. I'll walk. (laughs) So yeah, I just walked down the staircase section. Was that the first trip or second trip? First trip. Okay. First trip. Second one probably went a little better. Second one went a lot better. Yeah. We all survived. Yeah. I remember there's a lot of, a lot of whiskey drinking for you that trip. Oh God. Percocet and whiskey. I was actually telling this story to somebody like not too long ago. Like, I don't know, like a couple of days into it, I was like, eh, my shoulder really doesn't hurt that bad. So I'm going to see if I can ride my bike into town. You guys are all out riding. And so I got on my bike in the house and I rode out the, like on the tile, you know, out the front door down like that sidewalk thing. Cause mm-hmm. it was all smooth. And like I hit one bump and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> done. Done, done, done. <sighs> so was a lot of the riding on like mostly hard dirt and rock then? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a it big just mix. It depends on, yeah, it just depends on what you go do. There's slick rock and there's trail and there's gravel roads. and That's kind of the cool thing about Moab is you get all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's... I mean, there's so many trails, so many trail systems out there. Okay. We haven't been out there in 15 years. Yeah. It's been a, a long while. time. It's been a minute. Yeah. I was out there, not this spring, but last spring, but I don't pay any attention to the ground, so I don't, <laughs> I'm over there climbing. Yeah. It's uh, it's cool. Cause like you just sit there and choose what you want to do. And that, I mean, there was, there's one section you can go way to the east and you're way on top of the mesa out there. You're you're up at eight, nine thousand feet and uh just climbing like crazy and then you're looking way out over I mean it just drops off out there and then you drop down to the Colorado River and it's pretty pretty cool. And then there's other areas where you're on slick rock and 
that stuff's unreal because you can just you can ride up such right up and down such steep terrain. I mean, it's you're sitting there looking at it like there's no way I'm I'm gonna fall over backwards if I try to go over that, or I'm gonna eat my front end if you go over that. But it that that slick rock just is so grippy. So yeah, it's it's sweet riding. Okay. Gotta get a bike. Skip the rock climbing <laughs> next time you're out there. Take a day, go ride. I would. That sounds fun. A couple of my friends actually just started getting into mountain biking and they're like, it's fucking awesome, dude. You got to get a mountain bike. I was like, they're so expensive. Mm. Yeah, there might be a bunch for sale around here because like, you know, every trail system around here is probably burned. So. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> probably is true. Yeah, maybe I'll look at that. You guys want more beverages? Sure. Sure. Want another one? Yeah. so the first couple we did a couple interviews we did there were possum stories like <laughs> the first the first possum story what was there were two different ones weren't two there? different possum stories yeah <laughs> like completely unrelated like kind of like i'm sure di- i know what one of them is kind of like the dildo story <laughs> did one of them involve uh a storm drain and numbers and betting Oh my God, no, but I know that story. <laughs> I've heard that one too, but it's been a long time since I've heard yeah, that one. Yeah, so tell that story. I, know I, I wasn't that. there for that one. That's just, I, I was told from people that were there for that. Yeah. What is that? What is that? All right. So this is, again, this is, this is not, I didn't, I didn't live this one. But neither, neither did I. So, it, <laughs> <laughs> but I have heard this. A it couple came. Times. It came as a, in as a, a suspicious package story. There was a, a cooler and it was taped shut, and like thought it was some sort of suspicious device, and it was making noise, that kind of stuff. So they go out and investigate it, and I don't remember if they had somebody come out and actually scan it, some sort of bomb squad or somebody. Somebody somehow figured out that it was something alive inside this box. It wasn't an actual device. So they open it up and discover. I don't know how many baby possums inside. So uh, they don't know what to do with these possums. And I guess the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess the, uh, the, the storm drain in the back of, uh, of the station was full of water. And so they, uh, they decide, well, the best thing to do is to write numbers on the heads of these possums and, uh, everybody chooses which their possum is. And the last one that's still uh, swimming is the winner. So, <laughs> so they do this, um, and apparently unbeknownst to them, they, uh, uh, didn't, don't realize that at some point the water of, well, first that the storm drain doesn't drain anywhere. And, and at some point the water dries up and, uh, I guess at a later point, the water dries up and the portion of the bet is still within the storm drain making a horrendous smell and <laughs> apparently the the uh ink that was used to uh indicate what number was what was still clearly visible on oh god i didn't hear that part <laughs> so yeah again prior to my time i just might know somebody that had one of the possum numbers <laughs> Was this was this one of the local agencies? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. oh, yeah, very very local. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very local. Okay. Yeah. And again, this is hearsay. I wasn't there. <laughs> Statute of limitations is up on it anyway. 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any possum stories. Raccoons. They have, they, so raccoons are really tough to kill. <laughs> so I, I learned my lesson. So there was this raccoon that got hit by this car and it's, th- and this isn't like the white dog. This one's actually dying. This one clearly got hit by a car. All right. So let me preface that. I know I told this terrible story about this poor little delightful fluffy white dog, but this is an actual raccoon that's dying on the side of the road. So got to put out of its misery. Right. And so me being stupid, I say, you know, let them know there's going to be one shot fired. Well, they have really small brains and unless you actually hit their brain, they don't die. So I shoot this thing once in the head and it hits it in the head. All it does is get more pissed off. <laughs> so it took three rounds before I finally put this thing down. <laughs> so if you ever have to put a raccoon down, aim directly for their eye. Cause apparently that's the way to get to their, their brain. <laughs> but yeah, they're so is that more humane or is it, putting it under the front tire of the car and running it over more humane. You know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, Cause I've heard stories about people doing that too. And that's not generally all that successful sometimes. <laughs> <as well. laughs> then we had one was off. There was a, uh, well, I'm not sure what it was at our house. And so I'm like, why well, can't you go out there and shoot it? But I'm like, why well, I should probably call and have, people on duty come out and do this that way i'm not the crazy guy out there shooting this thing and the uh, the agency that shows up decides they don't want to dispatch this thing with a normal handgun they're like we'll just use a 40 millimeter sponge round and having the knowledge that i had i'm like that's not gonna work <laughs> they tried it yeah it doesn't work <laughs> so that's hilarious yeah yeah like yeah these a 40 millimeter sponge round's not gonna <laughs> not going to kill that thing. It's just going to piss it off more. So it did. <laughs> yeah. The things you don't really expect to have to do in your career in law enforcement, you know, put down animals and stuff like that. Don't expect to have to be the parent for, you know, the 30 years of screwed upness that these people have done in their lives. And then they're trying to raise children. It's like, what you, you you didn't figure out that like all the problems that you created, I can't solve in 30 seconds. Uh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Cause that's exactly what this guy, this good friend, I, this good friend of mine, he was, so he recently, recently retired and he works for a County up North or worked for a County up North. And so he gets dispatched to this like pissed off 16 year old or something like that, that isn't allowed to take the BMW to school. So they call the cops. He shows up and uh, he's, so the parents are like, aren't you going to do anything? And he goes, I can't fix in 15 minutes what it what took you 16 years to fuck up. And he turned around and left. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. It's like, we're, we're not here to be the parent. Like, yeah, you, you did the dirty deed. You need to actually like, carry on what you created right there it's not, not something we're going to be able to do it's not society's problem that <laughs> fix what you screwed up but it's amazing how many people that we still end up dealing with in that same way were you out when uh some dude got like high on meth and was cranking around with a shotgun on- yeah yeah. There go. yeah 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 i was out there for that it was the middle of the night that was nuts so dude thinks he gets high as a kite on meth and he's in his trailer. Again, it's trailer parks. 
the crazy, almost always the crazy stuff happens in trailer parks. So he's in there and he thinks, I think he thought some motorcycle gang was after him. So he's sitting there cranking off rounds with his shotgun and guys get out there and they're trying to set up and he's cranking rounds and they can hear like birdshot hitting trees above them and stuff like that. And, uh, so they're calling for armor and that kind of stuff. And I get out there and I'm like, there's already people in there. There's not much we can really do. So I'm set up with a, a hasty team out there in case we got a, a rush in there and go, go deal with this. And then finally they get enough armor in there and, and go, uh, this guy sees the, the lights and that kind of stuff. And apparently has this epiphany that, Oh, maybe it's not a motorcycle gang that's out there. There's actually like people there to help me. And he comes out of his trailer and gets arrested and that kind of stuff. But yeah, no people do. People do some crazy wacky stuff. So there's a, like people high and that kind of stuff. Where was a guy driving down? Reminded me he was like driving in and out of cars and that kind of stuff. And, um, driving absolutely crazy and a couple guys get there and they end up pitting him just before major intersection like they're like this guy's just gonna go barreling through this huge intersection and cause this gigantic crash they pit him and they get one car they pit him and then they kind of pin him in and then the first sergeant on scene comes flying in and pins him from the front and this dude's like trying his damnedest to get out of this like he's doing everything putting it forward and reverse to get out and Try and try and try. And so I'm flying up and I come up and I have the animal welfare supervisor riding with me. And she just started like brand new. She was doing some ride alongs to get familiar with the police department. And I'm like, you're about to have the most fun you're ever going to see in your <laughs> your life. <laughs> and as soon as I, as soon as this car comes to a stop, you need to get out of it and get the hell away from it. So we come flying in and this car is trying to back out and we just come barreling in and I, I don't hit it hard, but I come in and pin it really good from the rear to punch this thing in. And, uh, so we get her out of the car. We deal with this guy, get him arrested, that kind of stuff. And I wish I, I have the picture somewhere, but it's great because the, the picture I get is you've got a supervisor car and a supervisor car. And then this guy pinned in the middle that we've just got. So it shows, that shows our cars in there. And the best part is, is usually when like we would have to go out there and do the investigation and write the whole thing up and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, Lieutenant, we uh, we both crashed into this car. You need to come out here and deal with this mess now. And so, this gigantic turd that we would have otherwise had to deal with. It's like, that's oh, your problem. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I saw that picture. That was a great picture. Uh, I don't get to do enough fun stuff like that anymore. When was the last? When was the last time you got in a scuffle? What kind of fun happens now? Uh, paperwork. Nothing by eyes. <laughs> uh, it was actually pretty recently ago, like four. It was within the last month. Dudes, uh, guys got some mental health issues. I think there's some <laughs> substance abuse stuff going on, and he was known, and he'd been having kind of escalating through the week, and he had gone. I get a call first thing in the morning, like seven in the morning, from some of our facilities people, and they're like this guy is like screaming at us coming up in our face, telling us he's going to kill us. Like we jumped in our cars and ran out. I mean, this, this gal, I mean, she, she works downtown and deals with a lot of people that are having a lot of bad days. And so she doesn't get, she doesn't get shook up. I mean, she deals with people all the time and she's on the phone with me and she's scared. You can, you can hear the fear in her voice. And so we get down there and we're looking around for this dude and we can't find him right away. And then we get a call two hours later and he's in a verbal 
beef with some other people downtown. And so I'm the first one that gets there and I catch up to him and I'm like, Hey man, just, you know, hold on, talk to you. And he's kind of asked me to sit down. He won't sit down, but I'm not going to force the issue at that point. And so I just start talking to him and he's, he's kind of okay. And then next thing I know, the two officers that were primary on it get there and we're still trying to talk to him. And he's like, I'm not going, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm like, no, you're not free to go. You're under arrest. So he's dope. I'm leaving. So he takes off and he starts running and he starts running. Like I'd started angling cause it seemed like he was not going to be a yes person. He was going to be a no person at some point. And so he kind of starts cutting back away from me down the middle of the street. So foot chase is on and I actually, I won this one. <laughs> and, uh, so I catch the guy and try to get him to the ground and he's flailing around doing that kind of stuff. The other officers get there, they're grabbing arm and he's, fighting, pulling away, twisting. Then he turns and he punches me in the nose. Fuck. So, and, uh, so we're, we're scuffling around. Finally, finally still, he's still, we can't get him on the ground. So one of the officers goes, I'm going to taser, goes taser. We disengage taser hits him. Great effect. Takes him to the ground. We get on the ground. He kind of turtles up. We're still trying to get his arms out. Finally get his arms out, get him handcuffed and that kind of stuff. And, Again, middle of downtown, so it's like really don't want to be fighting with some dude in the middle of downtown and get him hooked up and, and finally get over. But yeah, it was a good two, three minute between running, fighting, that kind of stuff. And that was good. And that was pretty recent, you're saying? About a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Another fun another fun foot pursuit. Or actually one again. <laughs> I'm actually on a, I'm on a streak. Last two I've won. So TJ Maxx. Oh, so TJ Maxx that's it's closed because, you know, COVID shut down everything. And uh, they call about a burglary in progress. They're watching on video. They see somebody inside the TJ Maxx. So and this is right. Graveyard still on day shifts just coming on. So start of the day. So we get out there and we get a perimeter and he's He's entered in, they pried open the southeast door. So they send a team in there and there's kind of a loose perimeter set up because we don't have that many people on. And I'm on the southwest side, which is where the other back door is. And so they get in there and he spots them and he starts running. He runs right to this door that I'm about 50 to, yeah, about 50 feet away from. Busts through the door and he's outside the store. So he takes off running away from me, foot chases on behind the store. We were on the corner, still chasing after him, and he like dives into the bushes. I don't know if he's trying to hide in the bushes or what, but he kind of dives in the bushes, and he's still trying to get through the bushes in a way, and I catch up to him, and at that point, he gives it up and holds him at gunpoint until until their officers get there. So, But I was like, as, as we're running along, I'm like, I'm actually catching this guy. This is pretty cool. <laughs> so, and it was pretty good. It was like... I don't know. I mean, the whole width of this backside of the store and then around the corner. So it's probably a couple hundred yard run. I don't know. Not bad. Not bad okay. for an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> so what now uh, permits you to be able to run somebody down, chase somebody down? Like, what do you not chase and what do you chase? So we like foot pursuits and, and that kind of stuff. We can still, I mean, as long as we got a decent crime, it, we'll, we'll still chase people on that. But like chasing people in cars you've got to, we've got to have, you got to weigh the, the risks of if you chase somebody in a car and they cause a crash and 
you know, somebody gets hurt over a stolen car or some sort of property that can be replaced. Like wh- where's that balance? And this was, this was related. This was what was described to me from a sergeant from the agency I worked for before. And I, I, when I make decisions about authorizing a pursuit or not, that's kind of what, what I use as kind of my guiding point. And his, his, uh, kind of theory on that was, is if you authorize a pursuit and in the process of that pursuit, that suspect vehicle crashes into my family, killing them. And you can come to me and you can say, Hey, this person was so bad and such a danger to society that, you know, I'm sorry, your family is dead, but we, we had to catch this guy. Then, then you're in it for the right reason. So you, I think that's a fair way to do it because I, I mean, I look at it like that. Like if I authorize that pursuit and it does go kill somebody's family and it's over a stolen car, it's over some property or where this person's not a huge threat to the community. Like why are, why are we endangering the public? And it's, it sucks that we have to, to do that. And I think a lot of criminals know that, that law enforcement's getting to that point, but that's kind of the, they don't care. And we, we have to, we have to be the, the moral compass of that whole thing. Cause there's none on that side. So you, that's where you really have to, to pull in the reins and realize what, what's, what's best for, for everybody. Cause we have, we have to weigh those risks, even though the suspect doesn't. Okay. Do you think there are a lot of agencies moving that direction as well? I think more are going that way. I think more will go that way with everything that's going on in the world. Um, I, I, certain agencies around here were still not, they're getting more like they don't chase as much as they used to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think you'll see more, more places going, going in that direction just cause yeah, again, at what point is it, is it worth it? So that's a pretty solid rule of thumb too. Like if you're going to chase somebody down for a speeding ticket or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it? It, well, exactly, and that you know that 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 was relayed to me at least fifteen years ago, and that stuck with me as like, and that was when I was an officer before I was a supervisor, and it's like I've really taken that as like that's that's a good way to look at it. So I don't know. Okay, but a foot pursuit's totally different. Yeah, I mean, and and what again? Well, that that's incumbent upon both the officer and the supervisor is monitoring. It's like, are we chasing this dude or gal? Because, you know, they, some minor, minor thing. Could it be something more? Could they be worse than what they are? If they're not known, I mean, if it's just somebody that you tried to stop for a violation, they took off and all of a sudden it's, it's turning into something more. Is that worth risking, you know, the officers getting into a foot chase, chasing somebody and all the police officers rolling code three, potentially getting into crashes, getting into the area. So, you got to weigh it, um, you know, different times of day is going to produce different things too. If it's, you know, five o'clock when there's a ton of traffic and there's cars everywhere and, and it's, there's people everywhere and that kind of stuff. Do you have access to a canine? All that. There's a lot of variables you got to take into consideration on those sorts of things. Is a lot of it like whether you need to decide whether it's a code three or not? Like if it's not and you can take care of it, then probably fine well if somebody or, if we've got an officer chasing somebody that's you're you're is going it code, code oh yeah you're going lights okay. and sirens to get there i mean because you need to get to them and help them and that kind of stuff so gotcha. um i mean you're everybody's available it's going to be going in that area and trying to help out so it again it's creates 
it creates a show. It creates a big scene. It creates potential crashes and problems and that kind of stuff. So th- there's a lot of stuff you got to kind of weigh in. Okay. And think about. Gotcha. I'm still waiting though for the day when I'm riding a bicycle that somebody runs from me on a bicycle. I'm still living for that day. Runs from you on a bicycle? Yeah, I want, I want somebody on a bicycle <laughs> to try to run away from me on a bicycle. Like that, <laughs> that's just been like, please, like I just want to cruise up. Hey man, how far are we going to go? <laughs> where, where do you want to go? I'm like, we can do this all day. I'm good. You're like, this is what I fucking yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I've been dreaming of forever. <laughs> Unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet, but maybe someday. Do you ever ride a bike at work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I mean, I still run all our trainings for bikes and do train everybody that does bikes and downtown we have bikes. We have some e-bikes now. So yeah, I would much rather be on a bicycle any day of the week. Well, except maybe right now with all the smoke, but <laughs> most any other day. How often do you ride a bike then? Uh, well, I mean, some days two days, some days, four days. So just kind of, or some weeks. So it just kind of depends on what's going on, how much time I'm stuck in the office. So okay, try to be out there on the bike as much as I can. Cause I don't know hardly anything about it. Like, do, is it a highly sought after position or are there, like, uh, I mean, how many people want to ride the bikes? I've got a ton of people that want to ride bikes. My problem is, is trying to get time to train everybody that wants to ride bikes. So what I, kind of training goes into it? Uh, it's usually a three day class. So because so riding a, a bike in the police world is very different than just riding normally recreationally because you are you have to take into account you're usually riding pretty slow, looking around for people. So you got to know how to, you got to be really good about riding slowly and being able to look different directions and finding stuff. And then situational awareness, you're, you don't have the protection of a 4,000 pound car. You're out there unprotected, you're out there exposed. Um, so a lot of people don't ride on the street um, like Scott and I, you know, when we, we did bikes and that kind of stuff, we, you know, both spend so much time on, on the bike. We're very comfortable riding with traffic and amongst traffic and that kind of stuff. Whereas you have a lot of people that, that don't have that comfort level or experience. So teaching them how to do that safely, um, while still doing police work is, it's pretty important. So, um, and then, you know, what if you get into a use of force situation, or you're fighting with somebody and you got a bike. What do you do with the bike? How do you get off the bike? Um, what do you do? Well, you get, you, there's I'm sure it depends, but yeah. I mean, if, if the big thing is, is if you, you want to not be tied up with the bike. So, um, you know, we will use, we'll train people certain, like when you do person stops and that kind of stuff, sometimes you want the bike behind you away from you other times where if it's somebody it's like, they might want to fight with you or something like that, you can actually put the bike between you and them. So that way, if they're going to come at you, they've got to go through the bike. Um, and you can use the bike as an offensive weapon. So if they're coming at you, you can kick the bike into them. And that all of a sudden creates this whole distractionary effect for them. Um, you know, then there's, if you come rolling up on stuff, how to get off the bike quickly. So that way you're not crashing through the bike and on the bike. Um, you know, getting, just doing normal stops, being able to park the bike. So as you're rolling up, being able to get off the bike without having to really pay attention to what you're doing to it, just putting the kickstand down, getting off the bike and addressing the person or the situation that you're dealing with. Um, so those are kind of a lot of the big things. 
um, you know, if for some reason you get into a position where you have to use a firearm or point a firearm at somebody, you don't want to be on the bicycle. So how do you get off the bike? <laughs> you know, not, it's not like the old cowboy time when people are riding along, shooting their six shooters and that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's just, it's not, that's not a shooting stance. So you want to be off the bike on your feet. Mm-hmm. So teaching people those sorts of skills. Okay. It's fun though. I mean, to be honest, it's like when I'm riding bikes or getting, getting teaching classes and that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm getting paid more than most professional cyclists to go out there and ride bicycles. That's pretty rad. Yeah. How many cops don't, don't know shit about bikes though? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I ask when I, whenever I teach a class, like what is your bicycle experience? Well, I, I rode a BMX when I was a kid. All right. And then there's, I mean, we do have, we got, there's people that do, do ride and mountain bike and do that kind of stuff and, and own bikes. And then there's some people who are like, well, I knew I was going to do this class. So I, I started, I pulled my old 10 speed out of the garage and I have been riding it for a couple of weeks. I'm like, all right, much, well, that's a good start. So, but yeah, it's, you get a mixed bag. Are there any cops that have just like been totally hooked I'm right riding. afterwards? Or is that just like kind of a weird rare occurrence? I think there's a lot of people that really enjoy it. Like if they get certified, they go out there and, and try to ride as much as they can. So like I said, we have a lot of really young, young guys that really want to get trained. I mean, I get, I get hounded all the time. When is the next bike class going to be? When's it going to be? And lately all I've been able to do is people that go downtown because their our primary focus is bicycle patrol downtown. So those are really the only people that I'm able to train to go out on bikes. So. Okay. But it's fun. I mean, I've I've had a blast on bikes. I remember this one time, one of our guys, when I was an officer on our downtown team, he was, I don't remember what the guy's deal was, but basically it was, he was calling for cover, code three cover, and I was coming, I wasn't too far away, coming in on bike, and this guy was squaring off. They were getting ready. To, he was going to fight. I mean, he was going to arrest this dude, and, and this guy, he wasn't going to go with the program. And so I come flying up, and... I, uh, one of the ways you can get off the bike is you're coming up at speed and you can basically grab the rear brake, disengage and swing the bike out of the way. And so I, I do that and the bike just makes this huge noise. And all of a sudden this is this great distraction because this guy like hears this crazy loud crashing noise of this bicycle skidding on the ground and me come running up. And so all of a sudden he's like, went from, you know, one police officer addressing him to now all of a sudden there's two and there's this loud, crazy noise that's threw his whole OODA loop off. And he's like, what's going on? And he ended up not fighting and we get him arrested, but just cause he was like totally thrown it, off. It, yeah, totally, totally screwed up his concentration and everything that he <laughs> thought was going on in the world. All of a sudden there's his sensories are overloaded and he's just, I don't know what to do. So he goes into handcuffs. And then you can just go, you can go so many different places and you, it's amazing to me where in an area where people know that we're out on bicycle and that kind of stuff, the amount of stuff you can just roll up on. I mean, people getting ready to load up on dope or drink beer or deal dope or do whatever. And you're just on top of them before they have any idea that you're and you just come across them by half chance. You're just riding along and Mm. they're right there. It's like, that's probably just because like, they don't see you coming right? yeah. because you're on a bike. You're not in the 
It's not what they're looking for. 40 square foot car or whatever. Yep. yep. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, it's unreal. It's fun. Yeah. I love being on the bike. You've been on many pursuits mm. by bike then or off bike. Mostly by car. Not even that many in car. Okay. I mean, I can only think of three, two or three in my career. So like car pursuits. Yeah. Okay. I haven't been in that many. So more foot chases than anything. Mm-hmm. Foot yeah. chases from bike or more from car. No, just from either. Yeah. From car or from being like that one I talked about earlier, perimeter, that kind of stuff. So, okay. And is that cause you can't like, I guess, respond to calls as quickly on bike. Yeah. yeah the I mean, you generally get there first. Yep. It just depends if you're close by. Okay. So, I mean, I've been, there's one time we were working downtown in the evening and it was, one of our guys gets into a foot pursuit with people and it is, we're checking a parking garage. So we're in the dry and this call comes out and we take off and it is just pouring down rain about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And we go and we're going as hard as we can. And it's probably, probably about a mile or so away from where we're at, from where we started at. And we get over there and they'd gotten a perimeter and they had a canine and they were figuring out where he was at. And we, we ended up underneath the freeway in the park covered park area and just waiting for the storm to pass. But I mean, it was, it was nuts. We were soaked, completely <laughs> soaked. So there's the disadvantage to a bicycle is riding it around when it's oh, I'm sure pouring down rain. So, and we still had to work till three in the morning. And you, do you carry rain gear or anything on you? Or are you just in like cotton uniform? Just getting totally soaked. You have a slightly better uniform, but it's like anything. It's not, hundred <laughs> percent waterproof. I okay. mean, you're still getting wet. Yeah. So yeah. what do you carry on the bike too? Like, what do you have with you? Is there anything on the bike itself or is it just what's on your body? So we have uh saddlebag so you can carry paperwork citations. If you want to have a water bottle, that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, with the newer tablets that we've got issued, if people wanted to throw a tablet in there they could, but it, it's crazy how quickly those things add up. I mean, I, I don't carry much with me. And last time I weighed my patrol bike, it was still 40 or 45 pounds, which is pretty dang heavy for a bike. Yeah. That's no, a lot I, of weight. I couldn't believe how and heavy some of those like bikes. Paper, saddlebags. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. Adds up. Adds up quick. <laughs> so yeah, it makes my uh my 17 pound road bike feel like a feather. Yeah. What, uh, is there like a brand of bike? Like what are the, what are the police bikes? It depends by agency. Okay. Um, we, most of the ones that we have are Cannondale. So except for the e-bikes that we got lately, those, we got two that are track and two that are specialized. What are e-bikes? Are those like with the elect- electronic motors on yeah, them or something? Yeah, so I got a, okay. got an electric motor. So it's a, an assist. So you still have to pedal, but with your pedaling and the motor at top speed, they'll go 28 miles an hour on the flats. Oh, so okay. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> it's it's kind of a game changer. I was I was very resistant. I mean, having taught mountain bike riding the police officers and, and run a program for a number of years, I was pretty resistant to to going in that. Um, but after using them, I'm sold. They're a game changer for <laughs> for the type of work we do. Just because you can. You can get to calls a lot quicker. You can get to calls without 
wearing yourself out. Um, and, uh, just amazing what you can do and the range of them. I mean, there's, they're usually about 60 ish mile range. So you can get, you know, even if you went a long way as full day, easy. And I've taken one of them up a mountain bike trail one day, rode up. I was like, well, I'll go park patrol our, our trail system mm-hmm. on mountain bike. I'm like, unreal how easy it was to go up this hill just <laughs> flying up this hill a super steep hill it was like just cruising up that's awesome uh-huh. yeah they're way fun so talking bikes and e-bikes is that what do you get are you gonna get an e-bike we got two or we got four. Oh, really i was able to get four through a little bit of extra budget last year so, oh, for, for work. Yeah. Oh, no, cool. I'm not going to ride an e-bike myself. That's for, it's for people like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm flipping you off right now, but it's, it's a podcast. So you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great for work. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd be cheating myself if I rode an e-bike for recreational purposes, but I'd, I'd ride one for uh, commuting. Yeah. I guess, but that. they're like expensive as shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, name brand ones are about four grand. You can get cheaper ones that are more like you can get them in the fifteen hundred dollar range, depending. Like if they're they get motor kind of thrown onto a frame, a frame that's been modified to fit a motor and that kind of stuff. There's there is alternatives, but is it like a motor you install, or is it like a whole whole setup? Uh, there's I think there's a company here in town that actually I don't know if they modify the frames to make them fit or if they're able to like retroactively fit a motor on there but the the good the high-end ones i mean the big companies your your specialized treks your giants and that kind of stuff they're they're basically incorporating the motor into the frame um so specialized especially they've done a ton of r&d and developing and integrating in the e-bike stuff they they went full bore on the e-bikes and they're definitely the most sophisticated e-bike company out there i mean they have a road bike that'll go 120 miles on a charge really so and it's it's like a high-end s-works tarmac type road bike really (laughs) wow pretty impressive 28 mile an hour top end with assist and i mean it's it's the one i don't know if you saw like if you if anybody watches tour de france like last year there was there's phil liggett announcing as he's like smoking julian alphilippe up up the hill and he's he's on this this specialized. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you should find it. So, um, but yeah, no, they're, they're pretty impressive. So, I mean, I've been on group rides with, uh, one of the, the shop owners in town and he'll, he'll be leading people on it, you know, 28 miles an hour, just be basically motor pacing behind him into a headwind and he's not working and we're just basically drafting off an e-bike and cruising along. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're pretty slick. So, but, uh, I've got a couple of friends that have them for basically just for commuting. So they ride them to go drink beer back when we could go out and go drink beer. Okay. <laughs> well, like I was talking to a, a buddy of mine. He's going to be, I think he said he was going to be 70 next year. And he's a big mountain biker. He loves mountain biking, but he's like, I'm just getting now. Like I, I'm going to have to buy an e-bike cause I, you know, I can't go out as long and do as much as I want. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great for, for it totally makes sense for something like that. Cause he still has the, the ability to go out there and mountain bike, but he just doesn't his, you know, the physical being able to go out and his, go as long as what he wants to do and that kind of stuff. He physically can't do that, but you still 
have to have the technical skills. I mean, it's not like an e-bike is going to take away your, your ability to, to ride a trail. I mean, you're still having to ride a trail and you're still having to pedal and you're still having to work. It's not like it's a free ride. Um, I'm like, so just look at it as a way to continue doing what you love to do. Cause he was like, really, he was really butthurt about having to, you know, make this transition from doing that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, you're still able to go out and do what you want to do. You can still hang with the people you want to hang. Yeah, really. And I'm like, it makes total sense. I'm like, be happy that you're at a time in your life that those are available because 10 years ago they weren't. I mean, if you were 10 years older, like you would have been SOL for a long time. So now you have this opportunity to continue going out there and mountain bike and doing what you love to do. It's extending your, your lifespan of, of being able to mountain bike. I mean, I honestly, I wish my dad would consider it for road riding because with his back problems and hip problems, like he, he's always upset because he can't go hang with people anymore and do, you know, climbs and that kind of stuff. I'm like, if he, I, I haven't even breathed an e-bike to him because I know he, there's no way, he'd, you know, my dad, yeah. there's no way he'd ever, he'd ever do that. I mean, this is the guy that I think still rides a 53, 42 front chain ring. And the first time he ever put a 25 tooth rear cog on is cause I forced him to, I gave it to him and told him, put it on your, your wheel. Cause otherwise <laughs> he would still been ridden a, riding a 21. Um, but yeah, craziest Dewey story. There you go. So there's an ATL drunk driver coming into, and, and I was on bicycle and, uh, coming into downtown and I see the car and I get it stopped. And this dude is in a, sure, like a latex suit of some sort, like, like head to toe latex suit. All right. And, uh, like oh, that's weird. It's a little weird. And he was definitely drunk. And, uh, so the officer, the Dewey officer that, that comes up, he, uh, comes up and he starts doing this investigation and they pull the guy out and he's like in a full on sealed latex <laughs> weird suit. And so he's doing his thing and, and the officer's not smelling any, any alcohol in the dude's breath. It's like, that's weird. So they, you know, the guy says, well, I've, he has his tube. He goes down in his latex suit, goes up his ass, <laughs> and he's consuming alcohol that way. And he's hammered. <laughs> so he's basically ejecting alcohol directly into his body through his butt. <laughs> yeah. I, you got me. Uh, that one. I can understand people doing a lot of things. That one, that one blows my mind. Like, I'm speechless. I know. It's like I don't even know what to say. I've heard I've heard a lot of jokes about that kind of thing, but I hear it's really effective. <laughs> <laughs> well, this dude was drunk. He was way drunk. <laughs> there was a, a navy when I was a school resource officer, <clears throat> previous agency. I was got called to a school because one of the students there, she. There was a Navy recruiter that had been coming into the school. And so he'd been making her feel kind of uncomfortable with how he was talking to her and alluding to sexual type things. And it's like, it seemed weird. And I mean, he was more or less propositioning her for stuff. So I start looking into it and it's looking like a luring minor type case. And she's 16, I think. And uh, so I'm like, well, this definitely seems kind of, like, I don't really know what this dude's intent was. So we do a phone trick and, uh, 
have her come in and we do a pretext call and get him on the phone. And he, he starts basically, she's like, well, what would happen? You know, I'm at home right now. My parents are gone. It's like, what would happen if you came over right now? And he's, that'd be all sorts of pleasurable pounding and that kind of stuff. And, and you can hear he's in the car and she's like, well, where are you driving right now? She's like, well, I'm driving to your house. And so it's like, well, I, we finally, I don't remember what we came up with, but it came up with some story about how she, like, oh, parents are coming home. And so, and the call, but then we get him to come to the school to hook him up. And he, so he comes there and he's full Navy uniform, like get there and go through an interview with him. And he admits that that's what he was trying to do. And he's from Georgia and he like was 22 and his current wife was 17 when they got married and that kind of stuff. And cause apparently in Georgia, that sort of thing's okay. It's bananas that that shit can happen now yeah. still. So end up resting him on this kind of stuff. His chief is like at the station immediately. Like, where is he? Cause as soon as he's released, we're going to take him to the brig and that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> like, I'm sure that guy spent, I, I don't remember. I know the DA that handled it was former or Navy or he was in the military, but he was really hot to trot on this dude. Like that's just screwed up. So he was ready to go on it, but some screwed up people out there. Like, dude, you're married. You got two kids. You're started getting with your current wife when she was 17. Now you're trying to get this new 17 year old. Like what is wrong with you? I got nothing on that one, man. That was just wacky. I went to this death investigation um, conference or training or whatever. This guy from Virginia Beach was there. And that was back then they had just started doing touch DNA and we weren't doing it out here <clears throat> at all. And I remember him saying, he's like, he goes, I am 100% heterosexual because there is no amount of counseling or medication or anything that can turn me into a homosexual. And I was like, wow, that's, he goes in the same thing with pedophiles. He goes, these people are just wired to like kids. And there's like nothing you can do to fix that. Nothing. And that like that really stuck with me. And Isn't there like, some some I, I didn't see the news too much, but there was some weird like thing about pedophilia was supposed to be some sort of like medical condition or protect I heard something about that on the news. Like what what is up with that? Oh shit. That how the hell can you sit there and say that, that can somehow be a medical condition or some sort of mental Health type thing and it's supposed to be protected. That is screwed up. Yeah, no kidding. I don't. I didn't hear that. Yeah, there was there was some push for something like that not too long ago. I I don't know if it's still being. I don't know, but the way that the way that guy described that, like he just like hit the nail like right on the head. It's like like that's not okay, but that's the way people are wired. I can remember. I heard I never heard him tell this story, but when he was working parole probation down south, like talking about some dude that liked to fuck chickens. Yeah. 
chicken fucker <laughs> yeah like literally it was like a chicken fucker and the thing with chickens is it would they did like burn your dick because like their body temperature is like 115 degrees we should probably google that and like fact check it uh, like I'm people are fu- yeah you're gonna check it <laughs> okay <laughs> oh wow <laughs> we need to get you a laptop so you can like fact check this stuff <laughs> better hope the fbi is not watching your phone <laughs> We'll see. They're going to see a lot of weird shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Keep going. Chicken fucker. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was just like, like, who wants to? Oh, my God. He had another story. I remember this is like super fucked up. So this. So uh, we got to get Jeff on here, by the way. (laughs) In the adult chicken, the variability is between 105 and 107 degrees Fahrenheit. That's what we got okay, here. so it's not 115, but you would. Maybe it had a fever. You would definitely burn your <laughs> dick, probably. It's pretty warm. Oh, jeez. It's like 10 degrees warmer than a human body. <laughs> oh, man, I don't have anything else good. Oh, I do. Let's talk about the dude that was living at your house. Oh, fuck. Whoa. <laughs> Let's talk about that dude. See, my blood pressure was so good. (laughs) You need another beer? (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. So when I first started my career, I uh, came down to this this fine community, and I didn't know a soul here. And uh, the academy was closed for Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving. And I was living in buddy that was working close by the area but like his parents had bought a house they were going to remodel and i was just here for a week so it's like well you can just go throw a mattress down in the house if you need to or whatever so i was crashing this house that was like more or less almost condemned for a week and uh so i'm there staying there and it's thanksgiving so my thanksgiving dinner i spent at a sherry's by myself i'm like this sucks i don't ever want some other cop to have to like go through that because it's stupid like there's people that like you you know you should take care of somebody else yeah thanks asshole um (laughs) and uh so (laughs) that was was before scott and our buddy so it's it's okay (laughs) um so i i don't want anybody else to to have to go through that so when i come back down here there's one of the guys and he is staying in the extended stay in town, which is nothing but a heathen of felons, dope dealing, shit birds, and that kind of stuff. It's like, what are you doing? You're staying where? Like, no, stay there. You can come. We got a guest room. Come stay with us. So he he moves in. He's because he's his partner's up in Salem, and so he stays with us and goes to the academy during the breaks. And the academy comes back, stays with us for a while, and before buys a house he's still living with us for a while and uh he'd moved out they bought a house they were living away and i get contacted by the doj or i get pulled into a meeting with the doj and some of our investigators and they're like hey we just want you to know that um basically this person that was living with you had been looking had basically had child porn on some drive of theirs and 
it was a Google drive or something like that. And Google and those companies like that, if they ever see anything like that, they're federally required to report it to law enforcement agencies. Otherwise they face like a $250 million thousand fine of some sort. So they get this, they start investigating it. Well, apparently at some point, the first, the first site that or first place that he'd viewed this at was at our house. So it was on our internet. So the first search warrant that's been done on internet for the IP address is coming back to me. And the primary DOJ investigator I knew from when I was in college because he worked in the town that I went to school to. And the other investigator that was there, I actually went to college with. So as soon as I see the name, they both know exactly who it is. They both know exactly what I do. They're like, holy shit. And so... That's the first search warrant. So the first, the first suspect on this whole thing is me, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to sit there. I mean, anybody that has done this kind of stuff is like, oh, got a perv. What the hell? So, then the the second place this thing pings off of is the city's Wi-Fi, which again, I have access to. So. <laughs> So again, I'm still suspect number one. Well, thank goodness dude had moved out and was at his house because then the next place it triggers is his IP address at his new house. And so that's when they the attention is, I'm sure, gone from me to him. And they do a search for it and they, I don't know. I don't know what they pull out of there, but they pull a ton of stuff out of there. And there was all sorts of other things that he'd done, but he... He's in prison now, but I mean, just that whole, like, if, if that image, you know, if that whole thing would have started three months sooner when he was still living with us, how much that would have completely ruined my life. I mean, even when you're exonerated and it's shown that it's like, it's not you, there's just a time period where, you know, you're going to be suspect number one, they're going to do a search warrant on your house. There's going to be, you know, having kids in my house, I'm going to be taken away from my children and forced to be somewhere else, even though later on you're going to be proven totally not involved in this kind of stuff. But oh my gosh, talk about like extremely, but, but that's not the end of it. Right. So when they do a search warrant at the dude's place, they, they find hard drives. Yeah. They, they pull, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know what all they, they pulled all sorts of stuff out of there. I mean, I know they oh, come pulled, on, man, they found a hard drive and the dude had a hidden camera in your locker room. Did we forget about that part? <laughs> so yeah, he, he had a, <laughs> Oh, apparently we did. <laughs> he put a camera there in a year pointing towards the urinal. And, uh, there was lots of apparently dick pics. <laughs> so who gets off? I'm sorry, but like, I, I'm straight, but I sure don't want to go sit there and watch women piss. Like, <laughs> what, what, what does that do? It seems like, weird. It's, no, it seems <laughs> fucked up. I, that's, not, that's not weird. Weird, weird is like I, I don't even know what weird. I don't. I don't even know how to like put this on the scale of weird. That is like beyond weird. Extremely. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, wh- where do you even start to compare that to? That's just fucked up. Man. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So. He's in prison. He should be in prison. <laughs> so they put a female supervisor in charge of that investigation. 
They're like, hey, is this your dick? <laughs> so you had to go because I, I, I had to go sit there and find out if my dick was one of the ones that had been pictured. And apparently it wasn't because there was questions about duty belt, <laughs> wedding rings, watches. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. Just like, oh, was my was my wang part of this? Again. No, no, no that's not me. I'm circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I think I'm to the point where I can laugh about it now, but man, it was. <laughs> you thought you were going to skate. Oh. <laughs> that's some fucked up stuff. The fucked up thing, too, is it was just like you trying to do the right thing. Oh, yeah. Like having a dude over for Thanksgiving, right? That's what you were saying. <laughs> and there's there's been other people where it's like, hey, we're trying to find this find a place for this person to stay before they come up. It's like, and my wife's like, oh, what about this? I'm like, no, there's nobody else coming in my house again. Yeah. <laughs> like if I don't, that was yeah. the wild card. You're not yeah, getting totally agree with her. Yeah, it's <laughs> like not a chance. Well, no, she's she's willing to like let them, and I'm like, hell no. Oh, you're not. No, she is. You're not. Oh, no, she. Yeah. There's a few times where it's like, and and granted, I mean the the couple people I know of that have they, they seem like great people. I don't know that kind of stuff. I refuse to take that chance again. I mean. Here's, here's really what it comes down to. Not only like what have potentially could have affected me, but thank God my son was only right one or two at the time. I mean, if he's the age now, that's kind of the age of, I think, what he was interested in. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't really want to go to prison, but, you know. Ah, you wouldn't have to. People disappear every day. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... But yeah, no, I, I won't take that chance again. Just won't, absolutely won't take that chance again. So. How many protests have you worked? Uh, in my life? I don't know. A lot. In every city I've been in. So, one of the recent protests, everybody's kind of combined together, but there's infighting amongst the, the groups that are going on. Like some people want to be more extreme than the other and that kind of stuff. And... For whatever reason, the decision was made is we're going to have minimal staffing to deal with this March protest type thing. So I have, I, I won't let my officers go out on a bicycle by themselves. So that to me, it's, it's dangerous for them. They're not as skilled on a bike and that kind of stuff. And I just won't, I won't risk them. So I put, I had four officers too. So I had two cars and then me on a bicycle. And then I had a few detectives out in the area and, uh, we get a call of a dispute on the south side of this thing, a couple blocks away. It's basically this guy wanting to get through, and they've they've blocked the road with their little bicycle blockade people type things. And so I'm I'm the only one on that side of the whole thing. So I get over there, and the dude that's wanting to get through is yoked. I mean, he's a big guy, I'm like, and he's kind of going after this other kind of scrawny guy that's on a bicycle and that kind of stuff. And, uh, so they're yelling back and forth and I think, you know, I would kind of like telling this guy to knock it off. He's not really listening to me. And I'm like, well, I'm not, if you guys start beefing, I'm by myself. You guys can sit there and beat the crap out of each other. I'm not going to stop this. And, uh, so one of our detectives rolls up and we finally like just basically grab the big yoke dude and start shoving him back and dude on the bicycle keeps chipping. And I'm like, 
what are you doing? Like you're, you're going to get your ass kicked if we're not here right now, you're going to lose that fight. I mean, it's not even going to, it's going to be one, two, you on the ground. And so I finally turn to him and tell him to shut up. And he looks at me like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just told me to shut up. And so we get this, we're kind of dealing with this guy. And then all of a sudden, like I said, there's this infighting amongst the group. Well, the more extreme Antifa element of it decides that they don't want to go with the program. So they see what's going on down up towards us and they start marching towards us. And there's, I don't know, 75, 50, 75 people that are clearly like, we're not going to do anything you want. We're here to basically do anything we can to destroy, disrupt. And they're walking right towards us. And I look at them and they're walking towards us and we're kind of like shoving this dude. But it's like that, that time in my only time in my life where I know if these guys continue down here and they come down here, the only option is, is to get on my bicycle and ride away. And whatever happens at this intersection, that's just going to happen. Cause me and this detective aren't going to stop whatever this, this action is. I mean, it's like every other, every other situation in my life that I can think of. It's like, there's, there's, I can address it. I can deal with it. I can do something. This is like that time where it's like, nope, I'm out. Good luck. I'm going to go to cheeseburger someplace. Cause this isn't what I'm going to deal with right now. Yeah. So have you, have you guys talked about the Molotov cocktails that have gotten thrown up and up North? Uh, I mean a little bit. Like not, what's the, like what's the plan to deal with that? There's not, there's not really one. I mean, just hope that it doesn't happen. And if it does, then address it as best we can. I mean, we've got some fire extinguisher type stuff. They've been talking about getting some of those, uh, smaller, like uh, aerosol type fire extinguishers that you can buy to, to be able to hopefully address it if it gets on somebody. So, but I, it, I just can't believe that that agency Portland, I, I mean, it's not their fault, right? Like it's the mayor's fault. All sorts. <laughs> along, along with, along with the d- district attorney's office and from Multnomah County, let's just throw them under the bus right now. Fuck them. I, it's it's just ludicrous to me that like I watched that them throw that Molotov Molotov cocktail and light that fucking dude on fire, which was the funniest thing I've ever seen, especially when you put it to music, Jeez. like Footloose and shit like that. Come on, it's pretty good. <laughs> you follow James Woods on Twitter, right? Mm-mm. You should. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, man, what if that would have hit the line? Yeah. No, I know there's, there's, there's all sorts. I mean, they're flinging like bags of feces and that kind of stuff and liquid has nothing to do with fighting for black rights. I I totally, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think it's, they've seen an opportunity that created some sort of civil unrest and they're able to go in there and create that mob type mentality. So it's not, not helping the movement. So are there places in this country that things need to change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is there injustices that go on in this country? Yeah, absolutely. Is doing what they're doing in Portland going to achieve that? No. I mean, that's, that's not how you go about creating change. I know the first thing that needs to happen is they need to label Antifa a terrorist organization. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck those people. I mean, seriously, well, that's the thing. Like they don't, they don't, like I said, they don't, they, they saw an opportunity. 
of a weakness or, or a group of people that are angry and upset and they saw an opportunity to, you know, get them spun up and, and get them wanting to do more things. And it's not exactly what you point out. It has absolutely nothing to do with black lives matter anymore. It has everything to do with their agenda of trying to overturn government and yeah. create anarchy and <clears throat> communism and that kind of stuff. The difference between Timothy McVeigh and these assholes is You got me. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. You know who Timothy McVeigh is? Who's that? What? Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City. No Drove idea. the U-Haul up next to the Oklahoma City, filled it with uh, yeah. Ampho and diesel, and blew up the building back in 90-something. Yeah. Never heard of that. And you know what? That's... That's I mean, the problem. That Yeah, no, seriously. Sorry. Like, that's... Yeah, it's not your fault, but like that's part of the problem. Is yeah, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was the why message? Didn't anybody what was te- it for? What do you what do you do it like, for? Why didn't he any um he was uh very anti government. He was a uh, anarchist. I don't think he was an anarchist. I think he was more just uh extreme militant, just wanted to overturn the government type thing. So um I mean I guess in a sense Anarchist, but I don't think he was really after an anarchy thing. He just really hated the the government. So, nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Um, I I've been there twice, and it to the memorial, and it is like I've never been to the Pearl Harbor Memorial, but like it, I mean, it's like it's chilling to be there. Man, it's, it's like being at the nine eleven memorial. Was it, it was at Oklahoma City. Yeah, oh. Oklahoma City. So he and what was it? He blew up a U-Haul truck. So he took a, a U-Haul of... truck. He filled it with ampho, so fertilizer and diesel fuel, and basically had this truck that was a bomb. And he put it parked it in front of the building. And this is the reason that you now see most buildings with um, a very clear um, area out. Like if you look at the federal building here close by, there's no place you can really get a car close by. Um, there's where, like barriers yeah. and shit. That so they, they, that was, that was a, a direct result of that as well as, I mean, other places around the world that have been, um, like bombed and that kind of stuff. But he was able to park this, this U-Haul truck right next to the building and then detonate it and blew half the building. I mean, it was just basically, Jeez. and it was just diesel fuel and what was it? Ampho? I think it was uh, ammonium sulfate. Yeah. Fertilizer or whatever. Ampho. Yeah. Jeez. The same shit that blew up in Beirut, yeah, like three weeks ago or whatever that was. Did they find that out? Did they? Well, that's what it was. It was that's what it was. was yeah, it, was a, it, was a, it had been stored there for years. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah. So that's so, a, it's a it's a slow burning. I mean, it's a it's a known combination that you can do. So it's you got to have your. Uh, I, I'm gonna tear this apart, but you got to have like basically your. That's probably a good thing. Well, I mean, your your ignition <laughs> source and then your your fuel source for for a, an explosive type thing. So it's, um, the diesel by mixing them together it, by them separate, they're pretty stable and safe, but by mixing them together, um, it becomes, you know, good explosive. It's a, it's not a high, it's not like dynamite or not like, it's not really a high reaction. So it's not a fast moving explosive, but it can create a, when there's a lot, it takes a lot of it to actually create a big boom. So when you fill a U-Haul truck, full of that stuff, it does it. So, I mean, if you were to fill like a U-Haul truck with TNT or C4, I mean, a small amount of C4 would have done a lot more than what 
was done there. That makes any sense. In Beirut? No, no, no. I'm talking about back to Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, so it says uh, he did it for revenge for Waco and Ruby Ridge. Yeah. So which are also two things you should familiarize yourself with. I think I know about Waco. Yeah. Vaguely. Ruby Ridge is right along the same time. And then there was something else that happened in Montana also, but I can't remember where that was. Um, another standoff after Ruby Ridge, actually. What was Ruby Ridge? I have never heard of Ruby Ridge. I can't remember the particulars of that one. Nothing. No Waco, idea. yeah, but I can't remember. Ruby Ridge is Utah, I think, wasn't it? Um, Idaho. It was Idaho, okay. Yeah, so let's see here. Just look it up so I don't get it all fucked up. Um, 1992, U.S. Marshals uh, tried to arrest Randy Weaver, mm. and then um, they ended up being a standoff on top of that their place, and like they ended up shooting the marshals ended up shooting his wife, or maybe it was the FBI. I don't know who it was, but <clears throat> um, damn man, it's like super. That that was like. You know, these, it's just like, oh, FBI, it says. Weber's wife, Vicky, was killed by FBI sniper fire. That was Ruby Ridge? That's what happened there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, man. Well, some fucked up shit happened back then, and here we are again. Mm-hmm. Here we are one more time. Eh, it just goes to show you our country is just so. I mean, it's founded on war, and we've always been at war, whether it's internally or externally. So I went. I went to. I went to Waco to the Branch Davidian compound. Oh, really? Yeah, I was there in May, and I saw the whole thing. What's there now? Uh, well, the the bus is still there, and the foundations of the buildings are still there, and like the there's like a reflecting pond that's still there, hmm. and uh, it's. It's for one where it's at. It's beautiful. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere. But to think that all that shit happened there is just unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Crazy history of extremism. Yeah, but you get on both sides. You get the left and the right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yep. I feel like I'm relatively up to date on like the mid to late 90s and on, but anything else that wasn't in the history books, I haven't heard of. Well, it's going back to what we were talking about. I think it's unfortunate that that like you don't know about Oklahoma City for whatever reason, you know, like whether I didn't talk to talk about it with you or. Or, of course, you would have only been... What year did we say that was? 95. I mean, you weren't even born yet. That's probably why. For Oklahoma City? Yeah. I thought it was... You said... Oh, no, that was Ruby Ridge. was 80-something. Ruby Ridge is 92, I think you said. 92? I thought I heard 80-something. Yeah, well, we could look it Either up. Either way, whatever. But, matter. like, all that shit happened, Before and you guys me. weren't even born. So, like, all these people, like, yelling in cops' faces, like, 
they weren't even born when all this shit happened. Well, and then 9-11, they, I mean, right. so many people are, like I mean, that was 19 years ago now. 19 years ago, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. So. Right. And I mean, so, I can still like, remember yeah. exactly where I was when that happened. So. Yes, me too. I was like four and I remember where I was. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was at grandma and grandpa's house. Yeah. Do you remember the, like the, the, the TV and stuff? I do. Yeah. Really? Or, Cause it kept playing over and over and over. Really? And I was wow. like on the ground playing with, uh, little army men and Lincoln logs. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. I totally remember it because it was the whole fucking day. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I knew I didn't understand what was going on, but I was like, same thing's playing on the whole the TV the whole day. I'm not watching TV anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I remember we drove from uh, we drove from Jackson to like I think we went to Bozeman. We finally found found a place to stay. It was crazy. I was in Vegas. I'd flown in on September 10th. Talk about, I don't know if you've ever seen like stereotypical Vegas, loud lights everywhere. Everything was shut down. You walk down the strip, it was nothing more than the bare minimum emergency lighting. Every casino, the lights were shut off. Really? Oh, eerie. 